The difference between a gold medal and silver or on the platform or, or podium or not is not fitness. It's not physical. Like everyone at that level has the top trainers. Like you have a team of people supporting you. So that's first number one is high performers know that they need a team to support them and a team of experts in each of their fields. At that level, everyone has that. But it's the difference between those who either make a team or don't, or get a medal or don't, is genuinely your mindset. How well you can manage stress, how well you can visualize that process, how well you can get back up if you fall, how well you can overcome injuries. And why I love entrepreneurs is it's so similar. Like entrepreneur, being in the game of entrepreneurship, you have all the same qualities of being resilient, mental fortitude, emotional um, resiliency. Can you handle the highs and lows of what entrepreneurship brings you? It's very similar characteristics. Welcome to Captivate the Room with your host, internationally known voice expert, Tracy Goodwin, an award-winning speaker who has taught hundreds around the globe to make a big impact with their voice. This podcast is for anyone who wants to step onto a bigger stage, make a bigger impact, and have a voice that makes people listen. Presentation matters, and the voice is the missing link. Join in and you'll see why. Welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you with me today as always. And I've got a great episode for you today. I've got a great guest that you are absolutely going to love hearing from. With me on the show today is Dania Douglas Hunt, and she's a former student of mine and literally is going to blow your mind today. She's had a really cool career and is doing some fascinating work that lines up a lot with psychology of the voice and what I'm doing over here. Let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a former Olympic athlete athletic therapist and strength and conditioning coach turned multi-passionate entrepreneur. Her main focus is helping high-performing entrepreneurs master the inner game, build mental and emotional fortitude, and slay the invisible dragons, self-sabotage, fear, limiting beliefs, etc., holding them back from their next level of income, impact, and inner peace. Dania has worked with thousands of high-level athletes and entrepreneurs, helping them reach their goals easier and faster over the course of the last 10-plus years, combining neuroscience, woo, and high performance using conscious and subconscious programming techniques. Outside of her own business, she's trained and coached for James Wedmore, other masterminds, and does performance coaching for Pure Life Organics. She's been featured on multiple platforms such as MSNBC, NBC, CBS, various publications, and every podcast platform. I've got her links. They'll be in the show notes. She is also going to be speaking at my upcoming event, August 30th and 31st, the Selling Through Voice show. And if you don't think mindset has a whole lot to do with selling or ask or next level of success, then you definitely don't want to miss this episode. I don't want anybody to miss this episode because it is absolutely packed with golden nuggets. I loved working with her when I worked with her several years ago. And she's just a joy. And I know you're going to learn a whole lot from her. Let's head on over to the show. Dania, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you with me. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So like I mentioned in the intro, I got to meet Dania a couple of years ago when when I had the opportunity to work with her and I just absolutely loved working with her. And then now I've got this big event coming up and she's going to be one of the speakers of the event. She's going to talk about the work that she does when it comes to selling through voice. And I think you're going to find this absolutely fascinating, her story, her, the work that she does, where she came from. So let's just, Dania, the way I always start is tell us what you do. And then from there, we'll just see where we go. Yeah. I love this question because I do a lot of things, but primarily I focus on really helping entrepreneurs scale their businesses and build the life and business of their dreams through their mindset. So it's fascinating because when you and I first started, I was still back in the Olympic space, I was still working with athletes. 
and very much more about physical autonomy. And then through coaching and through this awareness of myself, I really got to understand more about mindset. And I didn't really know mindset was a thing. But when I look back on how I worked with athletes, so much of what I did back then, even though it was rehab and strength conditioning, was so much around mindset. Like having an athlete go through a ruptured ACL and then getting back on the field, it's not about following the rehab plan. It's about getting their mind right for competition. And so through that, through that curiosity of neuroscience and subconscious programming, I fell in love with mindset. And so now I get the privilege of helping really smart, capable, ambitious entrepreneurs to scale and grow their business. And it's not through another business strategy. It's not through another working harder. It's all of understanding what are the current programs running your show? What are the current beliefs that you have? What's holding you back? And for a lot of us, it's these invisible blocks. And it's beautiful because the work I did with you, you uncovered those blocks for me through my voice, right? And you're picking up when I'm like going up or talking really fast. And I do that, but through the mindset and how people are talking, how people are sharing their beliefs. So it's fun because it's almost like I get to see what you did and I kind of get to do a different spin on uncovering what's holding you back from really building your life and business out of your dreams. So I'm a, I guess you call me a business mindset coach. That's what I call myself. Yeah. No, that's good. And we're going to, I want to unpack a lot of that, but I know the listeners are thinking right now. So I want to answer this question. I know this is what you used to do, but let's answer the question around the curiosity about how you got into coaching Olympic athletes. Yeah. So I naturally grew up as an athlete. I played basketball and loved sports. And back then the natural progression for me was, so how do I just do this more? How do I work in sports? And so I did my degree in athletic therapy and that enabled me to dive deeper into injuries and strength conditioning. And then right out of college, I landed my dream job at the time of my dream job, working with Olympic athletes. And I did that for several years, four or five years. And then something was missing for me. I couldn't put my finger on it, but something was missing. And like for me back then, I did what I was quote unquote supposed to do. I went to school, got the degree, got the job. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I realized I didn't actually know how to question, like, what do I want? Is this what I want? Is this the path I want to go down? I just kind of followed like the roadmap people to be given. And this is actually what I experienced with my clients. They build a business and they're like, actually, I don't want to do this. And so I had to go through this massive pivot. But it was just a natural transition back then to me. I played sport. I love sport. I still love sport. However, I love way more than mindset and mental performance aspect of sport. Versus working back through injuries and working through strength conditioning. I did that for, oh my gosh, over a decade involved in strength conditioning and sport. And then transitioned naturally to coaching. Because I don't know if you've read this book. I think it's called The Great Leap or The Big Leap. Oh, The Big Leap. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, for me, that kind of puts into perspective of my journey after it already happened. The zone of excellence for me was sport. I was very good at what I did. I love what I did. I love the athletes. I love traveling and all those things. However, there's just something missing for me. And Gay Hendricks explained that I was like, your zone of genius is something that energizes you, lights you on fire, you're in flow all the time. You could spend all your waking time learning about it, talking about it. And that for me was neuroscience and mindset. And so it was scary, but making that jump from sports to just focusing strictly on mindset was that kind of Gay Hendricks zone of excellence, zone of genius leap. But that's what happened. I... I'm happy to talk anything on the sport too, like who I worked with and stuff as well. But it just kind of started the natural progression. I just kind of did what I thought I was supposed to do, should do, kind of what I liked, was good at it, loved it. However, once I got in it several years through it, I was like, okay, something's missing and I don't actually want to be doing this type of work anymore. Yeah. Just scary for some people. You know, I, I think you were doing, I think you were getting into all that mindset. You were already doing that when we worked together. And I want to unpack a lot of that, but I have one other question I want to ask before I really start asking some nuanced stuff around mindset and entrepreneurs. You know, Jay Altman is coming on the, he's on the the event and he works with billionaires mm-hmm. or has worked with billionaires and he can sit down and talk to you about there are certain things that are that, that I'm going to tell you they're doing that the regular guy isn't doing. Exactly. Did you experience that with athletes? And I and it's all in the mindset bucket, I think. Are they doing certain 
mental. I'm not talking about the not eating cupcakes for breakfast thing. They do. They do. <laughs> oh, they do that too. Okay, that yeah. makes me feel better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there were were there certain things that yeah. were critical to their success. A hundred percent. And this is what's crazy. It's all retrospect for me because looking back, even though I was working with them through injuries and through their strength and conditioning, like the physical economy side of things, so much of that at that level is mindset. It's all mental performance. The the difference between a gold medal and silver or on the platform or, or podium or not is not fitness. It's not physical. Like everyone at that level has the top trainers, has the top, like you have a team of people supporting you. So that's first number one is high performers know that they need a team to support them and a team of experts in each of their fields. So they have psychologists, they have nutritionists, they have conditioning, they had multiple types of therapy. So athletic therapy, chiro, physio, all those things. At that level, everyone has that. But it's the difference between those who either make the team or don't, or get a medal or don't, is genuinely your mindset. How well you can manage stress, how well you can visualize that process, how well you can get back up if you if you fall, how well you can overcome injuries. And why I love entrepreneurs is it's so similar. Like entrepreneurs, in, being in the game of entrepreneurship, you have all the same qualities of being resilient, mental fortitude, emotional um, resiliency. Can you handle the highs and lows of what entrepreneurship brings you? Can you overcome, you know, having a failed launch or having, if you're doing sales calls, 10 people saying no to you and still getting on to that 11th call. It's very similar characteristics, but mental performance for them is one of the top things. And you can look at so many athletes, Tom Brady, a lot of athletes speak to priming their mind, getting their mind right. Because everything starts and ends in your mind. You visualize that process, you visualize things going sideways. So that way, when you're in that situation, you've already lived and experienced it. And the thing about the mind is it doesn't know the difference between what's real and not real. And so when we're growing, when we're changing, when we're pushing our boundaries, whether it's physical boundaries and or in our businesses growth, any change to the brain is considered a threat. So the more you normalize and the more you experience that event happening right here, right now, you visualize and you get into it, the less likely you're going to self-sabotage when you actually get to that event. The more likely you're going to be staying calm and be able to respond to things around you Versus reacting going off the wheel. So the, the difference between athletes at that level is purely mental performance. Everyone works hard. Everyone trains routes. Everyone has the best team. But it's how you manage your mind around the good and the bad that actually is going to separate you from potentially a podium or not being on a podium. The other thing I'll say too, which is very, especially for entrepreneurs, athletes know how to rest. Uh. They train rest and recovery almost more important than their training because it is the rest and recovery that enables them to train as hard as they can. And they recognize that rest and recovery is an investment in their future goals. And I would say for a lot of entrepreneurs, rest is like this faux pas thing. Like you book a holiday, but you're not actually recovering because you're like so preoccupied with your stuff at home or business. Like it's a double-edged sort of being a high performer and where I see a lot of entrepreneurs reach burnout is because they're not actually incorporating rest and recovery into the routine. And it's just go, 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 go versus true high performers, schedule and rest, schedule and recovery. And it's not just like put on a schedule and like kind of, it's like intentional rest and recovery. So the mindset piece with baking in rest and recovery is really what top performers do, whether you're an athlete or you're an entrepreneur. Well, you know, it's interesting that you said that and that's part of why I came to Sarasota mm. because everything is beautiful. And I'm a 15 minute drive from the, my favorite beach. I can walk around the corner to a lake. And I thought this is going to force me to stop working all the time. And I've struggled with that. I've openly talked about struggling with that. Why do you think that is that? Because I don't know if my professional listeners and I think they ha- they're a little, maybe a little more, have a little more ease around you leave the office at five and you leave the office at five. Not all of them, but what is it in entrepreneurs that makes us go, get out of the way, I've got to work? Yeah, a few things. And this is fun because depending on who the person is, this would go back to the unconscious belief or program running the show. Mm. So for a lot of entrepreneurs, there's this guilt. But then we need a question where is that guilt coming from? When did we first experience that guilt? Because so many of us, how we're operating and existing in life is based on learned programs and learned beliefs 
depending on what was around you at the time. So especially if you, like, you think back to childhood, what were you experiencing around visual, like watching your parents in terms of rest or working hard? You don't even have to understand if you're a baby. Observing what they were doing in their interaction can shape your own beliefs about rest. What were your coaches saying to you if you played sport? What were your teachers saying to you? So, so much of what we're doing now in, as an adult or whatever age you are right now is because of past programs and beliefs that you learned. And the question you need to ask yourself is, what does promote me from resting? Why do I, why does rest feel guilty? Why does it feel like bad or wrong to do? The catch 22, especially if you have kids and then you're also running a business, it's like you feel guilty when you're not with your kids. So then your work's not as productive, mm-hmm. but then when you're with your kids, you're worrying about your work. And it, it comes back to each individual own belief running that show and questioning it. And that's why I'm always with everyone. It's like, question everything. Why are we doing certain things? Do you even want to be doing that? I will also say the flip side of that too, though, Tracy, is the double-edged sword of being a high performer is one that drives for that next level and that next desire is amazing. It makes you reach your goals and it's gotten you to where you've gone today, right? At the same time, though, what's driving that? Is that a lack of enoughness? Is that a lack of worthiness? Is that is that you're proving yourself? Is it for some external validation? And so we really need to get into the mind of, for each person, it's going to be so individual. But so for example, one client, one client I had booked a trip to Rome, okay? And she was going to go there with her husband. And we had a call right before she's going to go to Rome. And she has an integrator. She has a team supporting her. So she actually could totally take this two weeks off and just be in Rome and enjoy being in Rome. But she comes to me and starts up because she's like, okay, well, I, you know, I want to be doing these things. And we're questioning what's for me from doing this. You have a team supporting you. you. You've done the work in place to get your systems up and you have this team. You know it's going to cause tension and stress with your husband if you don't take this rest. So what's this desire and need to feel like you got to keep doing stuff? And you just keep questioning and asking and questioning. And for her, there's two things that came up. One was this fear or lack of control. Like almost if I wasn't doing the work, it almost didn't count. Which again, we can sit and question that. Is that really true? Like, do you have to be doing every single thing in your business for it to be, or can you have support helping you? The other thing though was really coming down to feeling worthy enough to take that rest and have her team support her. And the, the tricky thing with this is we don't walk around saying, I'm not worthy. Right. It shows up in our symptoms of our behaviors and what's, what's actually at the root of what's driving our behaviors. And we need to really uncover through questioning, what is the intention of driving that behavior? And a lot of times, if you know Marissa Pierce, she's a world-renowned psychologist, so much of it comes back down to after you go through the layers of questioning, like not enoughness. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's so fascinating because it doesn't matter who you are, how much money you have, what level you're at, you're following your bank account. We all have these innate human desires and needs and drives. They just show up as different symptoms, quotations, different actions, different behaviors on the surface. But deep down below, below, it's a lot of it's driving that. like not enoughness, not worthiness. Yeah. Well, I see the same thing in boys. Yes. You know, and sometimes I voice it with people. Other times I just kind of, you know, we we work through it, but it, it's not exactly called out as that, but it, it is that. And, and it doesn't have to be called out because it becomes so crystal clear that somebody's not playing big vocally or they're not saying what they need to say because it it all, all roads lead back to worth and voice. Totally. A fascinating, I don't know if we could give that or not, but something I realized through voice of you was I was playing small. And I'll give an example because, again, we don't walk around being like, oh, I'm playing small. No, uh-uh. But as, what happened for me was through questioning and understanding why am I playing small? Like, where is this mm-hmm. coming from? Why am I hiding my light? Why am I not setting up and showing? Like, I know it can help people. Me playing small is a disservice to everyone. It doesn't help anyone by me playing small. However, I remembered that. When I was younger, I got I, bull, I got bullied a lot. Just, I think oh, everyone okay. got bullied. Okay, I think yeah. I feel like a lot of people have gone bullied. But I got bullied for things that, like, I was good at sports. And so people would bully me because they were jealous. Or I was good looking. Or I got good grades. And back then, I didn't have the capacity or the awareness to understand why that bullying was happening. And I made it mean something about me. 
right? Oh my gosh, this is bad. I shouldn't be like showing off. I shouldn't be good at these things. So back then I subconsciously learned to dim my light and not shine or, or go after things or be good at things because back then I wanted to fit in with friends. I wanted to hang out with people. But now looking back, it's like, okay, I can have massive compassion for one of kids. We're all trying to figure things out and we're all going through weird things. But that bullying most likely had nothing to do with me actually, but their own stuff, their own jealousy, their own insecurity, their own stuff at home that, you know, was easier to take out on someone at school and actually deal with. So I recognized I was still playing small because I was trying to fit in and be light. And now as I said that out loud consciously, it makes no sense. I'm like, what do you mean? Right. You something. But subconsciously, you learn all these different patterns and things that we're not really wherever happening. And you don't uncover them until you work with someone like you as a coach or you work with another coach to question, where did this come from? Where did this start? And it's like, oh my gosh, it makes total sense. I was trying to fit in. And I learned mm-hmm. back then, if I play big and I'm good at stuff and I get bullied and I get kicked out of the group, then I'm not in the tribe. So it's like, consciously, we can say these things about worth and enoughness, but then when you really understand how did your brain learn that? When did you decide that? Where did it come from? That's when you get to uncover and make those connections of, well, no wonder you're self-sabotaging and you have a TED talk coming up or you're not putting yourself out there even though you want to. It's learned behaviors and patterns that we need to uncover. Yeah. Well, and that's why sometimes I don't call out there's a worth issue because that brings its own, you know, I just, I even said that and and I know the power of saying things like that. So it really becomes this rubber band ball that you work in. I want to tell you something. I've never told this on air, but I think you'll think it's funny. Well, in a, in a tragic kind of way. And I'm telling this for my people pleasers. You said, I, you said, I think everybody got bullied. And the, the, I had this thought pop in my head right in that moment. I didn't because I figured out real fast how to make friends with all the bullies and keep the peace with them. That's how much of a people pleaser I was. I could see that on my radar that I literally went out of my way to navigate those relationships. I was that much of a people pleaser. I mean, just crazy. What's this yeah. thing? Like that's not a bad thing. Oh yeah, make friends with people, but again, the intention of what's driving the motive. Yeah. The motive. And then how is that still playing out in your adult right. years? You know, like back when I was five, I was learning offering things as a five-year-old. The crazy thing is, as I'm 31 now, there's still things my five-year-old brain is running the show on and I'm not aware of. But it's and this is I think for so many people too, especially in this space. So I typically work with people who are like at the six from a six figure to seven figure, right? People who already reached a level of success in business, yeah. you cannot, I cannot count how many times people say, what is wrong with me? Or, you know, why can't I figure this out? And it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just how yeah. your brain has learned patterns or learned things. And we're uncovering what patterns it's currently running right now. And oftentimes it's back from your five-year-old, your seven-year-old self that learned things that you had no idea about that you could even understand how that would play out now. But now as a 30, 40, 56 year old, it's not serving you anymore. So now let's uncover that and reprogram that because that was the pattern that served you back then that helped you, Tracy, not get bullied. But now are right. we still in that people-pleasing pattern here? Right. And if we are, then we got to change something. Well, and that, you know, that you carry that with you. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, that's running your business and you're having, mm-hmm. to, you're cutting deals with people because, well, I got to, I owe these people. I got to keep them happy. And yeah. it become, it may have been a conscious choice in that moment in third grade, but then yeah. what we don't recognize just like voice habits and voice stories, it gets locked in. You never think about it again, but you're like, why am I cutting deals for people? I suck at business. Yeah. And that's not it at all. No, not at no. And it's so, especially too, a lot of us are aware of our self-sabotage patterns. It's, oh, why did I give a discount? Or why did I say yes to this? And then it's like, but, and we just, that but where we can't change, that's a massive indicator that there's a subconscious way for program running that's not serving you. And so if you're in this place where you're like setting goals or you're cutting deals or you're still, you're recognizing your patterns, amazing. Awareness is the first step to all of this. And now it's what you do with that awareness moving forward to actually shift and create changes in your life and your business. And that's where people get stuck. They're like, and where are these patterns? But and they don't do anything or they just right. like, stay in them. And it's like, you don't have to accept that. You can change that. Anything is changeable. Like everything is figureoutable, as Marie Folio says. 
you don't have to just accept ways of being or thoughts or patterns or people pleasing tendencies or self that you don't have to accept that that's just right. the program that's running and you have the choice now with that awareness do i want to reprogram that or keep doing that but staying yeah. in between complaining settling phase is where i find most people get so frustrated it's like well do you want to do something about it because you can however yeah, yeah. it's gonna yeah, take yeah. Time to work so i want to I want to touch on that in just a minute, but I want to back up and ask a question. Well, I'm going to actually, I'll circle back to this. So do you see, well, you mentioned what do you, what do you do about that? And I want to touch on that, but do you tend to see, I I follow patterns. That's how I've created such mastery in sounds because I'm chasing patterns do you see similar patterns or is it so individualized because we're all so we were all raised with a different set of baggage or do you see the six, seven entrepreneur, they get stuck on this, these three things or these five things. Do you see that? Yeah, there's definitely how they show up is very different, but the root cause of where they come back to is very similar for people. Uh, I would say at that range too, you, it's very easy to work super hard and get to a certain level. And then to scale beyond that certain level is going to require a different version of you to get that beyond that level. Because a common thing that comes up is like, I can't possibly... So someone said to me recently, I'm at a point where I either you know can scale this and reach another tax bracket or I burn the boats and I go move to Hawaii. It's like, yeah. hold on. Whoa, whoa, there's more than just two options there. Because a lot of people in that space can work really hard to get to a certain level, but they think, oh my gosh, I have to work as hard or harder to get to the next level. It's like, no, no, no. So they always reach this kind of plateau. And the interesting thing is the plateau is like self. And this is so hard to hear. Sometimes it's self-induced. That plateau, that next level, what's bringing you from going forward is ourselves, is our own beliefs and programs. So the rest in terms of patterns at that level, releasing control is a hard one. Again, a lot of this comes back to self-worth though. Um, mm-hmm. Resting. Actually, actually resting and enjoying your time off with your kids and your family. That's a big one that people come to. And then something that's becoming more and more common is this fear of like abandonment or people leaving once you reach mm. them. Mm. And more tied to family. So like my family, maybe extended family or, or like your intimate family, like your parents or siblings won't need me or they don't think they might need me. So yes and no, there's... Root causes, I think, to a lot of things and how people present different symptoms based on like the intention and motives behind what they're doing. But there definitely is kind of three or four main blocks that keep, not blocks, but beliefs that keep popping up within this range that I'm working with. And it's very fascinating because those all actually do come back to self-worth, owning your mm. enough, you know, like trusting that your family's not going to leave you to become successful. And if they do, then we can question that too. But it's more of those kind of three or four things that I'm noticing at this level, keep popping up. Yeah. I, the control one is certainly something I deal with on the mm-hmm. regular over here. That's oh. a big part of why people can't maximize the power of their voice is because yeah. they're so busy thinking about what you're thinking about because I got to control how you're going to feel about me. And so I've got to say this just right and I've got to get these words right because I got to control the whole outcome over here. Yes. I remember you saying that story when you were in the boardroom with someone and then the guy, then it was like a super high up negotiation or boardroom, and he just stared at you like dead. I'm not going to say it at all, but just stared at you like dead, no, no expression. And then <laughs> after the meeting went so amazing, and they were so impressed with you, and you're just like, I remember so much of what I used to do. And there's still there's still tendencies that I fall back into, but I, I'm I catch them more frequently now because I'm just like, this is me. Take it or leave it. Yeah. I can help you. I can't help you. Like, but I'm not going to try and guess based on your facial expression or what you're saying anything and so much of that was what I learned through you is like you have no idea what people are thinking about you even if their face looks sour and right. like you can think they're like thinking what the f is wrong with this person it's like no they could be thinking about oh my gosh I left the groceries out of the fridge like yeah. you just have no idea so yeah that yeah. was something that was super insightful you shared like I'm still very conscious and trying to articulate what I'm saying how I'm saying it how I show up based on external things and 99% of the time just like for our own self they're not even thinking about you. Or even if they did, okay, who cares? You know, like, yeah, it's a because you can't, you can't control it. Yeah. I mean, I, I can sit here and think Daniel likes me, but Daniel could hang up this call and go, 
I don't know why I went on that woman's show. I mean, that's not going to happen, but I can't control that. And, and the illusion that you can, it's probably very much like, and I, of course, I know you dive into it in your work way more than I do, but occasionally I have to throw out that you are worthy because you are full stop. There's no rolling stop. There's no negotiation. There's no justification. If you are here, you are worthy. And everybody struggles with that. Everyone. So a question I love to throw back, especially if you have kids, this is brutal for parents. Just if I'm, when I coach, I'm very, like, don't get fooled by my smile. I'm very tough love. I'm cheeky. And like, I feel like you can uncover these things and have a good time. But I'm also like, look, I'm here to help you be the best version of yourself, which is going to be uncomfortable. But this question, so if you have kids or you have friends who have kids or you have nieces and nephews, I want you to, like, you know, when your child born or your friends have their child born and you're like, oh, this, we think this child is perfect, right? Oh my gosh, this, this kid is perfect. Like, all we think about is this child being worthy, right? And then it's like, okay, so at what point, at what age, tell me what age that child stops being worthy. And the parents are like, well, never. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. what changed for you? Because you decided somewhere along the lines and now you had to earn athletes, you had to earn your worth, you had to do all these external things to validate your enoughness and your worth. But if yeah. you're telling me your child or your friend's child are worthy and they never stop, like seven, eight, 10, 15, when did they decide or when did they suddenly not become worthy and they had to start proving it? And it's silly to think about, but at the same time, there is a subconscious decision we make that we now have to prove our worth and enoughness. And we can do like timeline and recover what the root cause of that might be and where you actually subconsciously decided to not be worthy. But it sounds silly again when we say that. What do you mean? I didn't decide. Yes, there was some subconscious mm-hmm. where you decided you weren't worthy and now you're proving it and you're tracing accolades and trophies and money and cars and whatever to feel something that you can't feel and it's already there. Right. And it's this never-ending cycle. But so many, everyone deals with it. This is everyone, no matter who you are, what level you're at, deals with worthiness and enoughness. Well, and I wonder if there are not multiple layers of it, mm-hmm. you know, just like in your work, just like in my work, you know, they'll all uncover a bunch of layers and then somebody's circling back six months later and they've had a crisis or they've had a, doesn't mean they lost everything that they got here, but it's layers and layers and lifetimes, lifetime of layers, but it probably that worth decision, it happens as fast as a voice decision. Somebody says, why are you so loud? And then I've got somebody talking to me like this. And it like one time somebody said that. It's probably the same thing. Mom said, yeah. why are you messing that up? Yeah. And and boom, I'm I am worthless. Totally. It, it is fast. Yeah, just that fast. And then it's unconscious. Yes. And that's what it's that's what I'm saying is like, especially when you really understand the mind and how it works and how it's so what's crazy too is Tracy, you can epi, there's a study of epigenetics that actually passes it shows that you pass down beliefs and traits and qualities, right? And so based on your lineage, if you had parents who you think they show they say you can go up to 14 generations back. What was happening 14 generations ago? Very different than what's happening now. So you're carrying not only all that substantially within your DNA and your genes and how your brain's storing it. But also from zero to seven, you're just a sponge. You don't have Mm -hmm. this factor where you can actually learn how to reject information and say, oh no, that's not for me. You just absorb everything. So you think about the environment you grew up in, the TV shows you watched, whether you watched them intentionally or not, the parents, the friendships, the coaches, everything around you, you're just this sponge taking everything in and making interpretations and meanings and beliefs. And from that very small period of your life, so much of who you are and your beliefs are far moving forward. And so for a lot of us, we're like, why well, didn't decide to be not worthy? Yeah, you probably didn't, but maybe your mom forgot to change your diaper or something. And then in that moment, your subconscious made a connection that you weren't consciously aware of. Like, it's so fascinating to learn about the brain and how it's formed. But just like what's beautiful about that neuroplasticity shows us, we can reprogram that. It doesn't have to, again, accept where you're at, your beliefs, how you're thinking, where you're at. Everything in your external world is from your internal world. And so if anything in your external world right now is not matching what you want, there's an internal reprogramming that needs to happen in order to create that in your external world. And that's what's so fun is like anything can change. However, you want to do the work and uncover that and reprogram that. 
I I did not know that was that what you were talking about the epigenetics, but I do know that just in my own research as a Choctaw, I'm a Choctaw Indian, and my my great grandmother was a medicine woman, yeah, and I'm very 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 different than my siblings. I look just like my my dad was the Indian. I look just like him. I act just like him. I mean, and you can track literally. I mean, it is so crystal clear the struggles that I have had. Many are on a genetic level. They are, they're in the family line where my siblings, totally different deal. They're in my mother's line. So it's, I, 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 geek, I can geek out on that stuff. I really can. And I think a lot of people, a lot of the listeners, maybe you've never been exposed to conversations like this. I think you have to a certain degree because of psychology of the voice, you know, it's an inside job, but that's a mind bender for some people that, okay, you have to change the inside story to change the outside story because, and this links to something I was going to circle back to, we are inclined to work harder. Like what you were talking about with the entrepreneur. My dad was a raving workaholic. Mm-hmm. Work harder, work harder, push harder, be there longer. And that is a mind bender for a workaholic to go, what, what do you mean? Yeah, totally. And like, uh, I love this because I talk about all day. It, it does require hard work to get results. Otherwise, everyone would be successful. Everyone would right. have results. Like, everyone would walk around if they wanted a six pack and millions of dollars if it was just easy. No, there's hard work. So we're not saying it's not, you're not meant to work hard. However, so much of what's driving that hard work is, again, coming from asking yourself the intention, like, what is the purpose of this? Why am I working so hard? Why am I burning myself out? I burned myself out twice and went to the hospital. It was the dumbest thing ever. But I was like, this badge of honor of like working hard. And back then I was like working two, three jobs. And it was a badge of honor. But again, according to who and for what? Like just questioning things. But what I think was so fascinating, what you shared about the working hard, because we all know people that this is um, the entrepreneur space, right? We all know people who work super, super hard and yet don't have the results that they want. Yep. There's a lot of people who work very hard who don't have the level of income that they want. And so we get to start questioning this belief. Is it really hard work that's going to get you to what you want? Because if we can find one person who doesn't work as hard and has the results that you want, or you can find one person who works stupid hard, but it's still barely like a poverty line, is it really a matter of working hard equals success? And this is where we get to challenge and question our beliefs because it's not. Beliefs are just thoughts we continue to think over and over and over again until they become truth for ourselves. And so if you can find one, one little hiccup to the, like that one belief, you can already start deep or constructing that belief for yourself. Yep, success requires hard work, but not at the cost of your health and livelihood. You can right. find examples of both people not working as hard, working crazy hard with drastically different results. Well, and, and, you know, it, again, here we go with the all roads lead, lead back to worth. Mm-hmm. I can look at my father who I loved and adored and was a success story like no other, but there was a driver behind that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of my siblings was born while daddy was in a shutdown at the, at the shop, you uh-huh. know, I mean, it, that is like full on, there was such a drive to prove his worth because he'd had such a horrific story. Yeah. Right. And so it really does. I mean, I'll never, I'll never be able to be, you know, I say every time I say never, Dania, it ends up like, I'm never getting another dog. I'm never, you know, all that. I don't know that I could ever be one of those. I'm going to work five hours a week people because I love my interactions and my work so much but it really becomes about that. What is that internal driver yeah. that is keeping me from not going to the beach Sunday religiously like I like to go or whatever it is? That's what we have to look at. And that's, yeah. I think that's such a big piece. That comes back to me kind of uh, basically with Stone of Excellence, Stone of Genius. I love the work I do too. It doesn't feel like work. It energizes me. I yeah. love working clients. I love shifting beliefs. I love helping them get wins. I love all of that. And then the question for me becomes, am I sacrificing my own other desires and my own other needs for work? 
And for yourself, if you're if you're happy with every other area of your life, then amazing. But a lot of times people working hard, as sorry as this might sound, but working hard is easy. Everyone can work hard. Right. And That's so right. this is now questioning intention and motive behind that hard work. Like for myself, I love working hard and I also love having my downtime. I love being with my dog. I love being with friendship. So for myself, questioning, okay, am I sacrificing one or the other? And sure, there's different periods of time where if you're launching something or you need to, you know, work a little harder on different things or you're trying new things out, for sure. But it is questioning the intention behind that hard work. Is it because I'm trying to prove myself, prove my worth? And then you mm-hmm. gotta ask again, according to who? Like that's why I think for myself, I got into sport and I loved it, but I didn't ever pause and actually question like, what do I want? Like I just did what I thought I should do. And I just kept following the the system, the path that was laid yeah. out, like good job, good degree, blah, blah, blah. So I think the work I do with people is really questioning and shaking up their paradigms of like, is this actually what you want? Is this really mm-hmm. what you want? And is, or is there other some drive of like worthiness driving that? Is there distractions of, Working, working hard is really easy because your home life, relationships, or the, your health is in the tank. And it's, you don't want to look at that. So you're just going to focus yeah. on work. So it's, just, it's a, not even a balance, it's integration of are you living the life that you want in all areas? Because it's possible. And I so it gets my being a bonnet of people like, you can't have it all. Yes, you can. It's going to require different change, different ways of being, different ways of thinking to acquire and achieve that. But you don't have to just like be stuck in this. It should be this way. It has to be this way. We can question all those things. So I love I love working hard, but I don't even feel like I'm working hard when I'm working. Yeah. And I want to make sure that others in my life are also, I'm happy with those too. Because again, if I'm not, am I using work as a distraction for other things that I need to be focusing on? And only you know this. This is the funniest thing ever. Is if you sat and asked yourself this question, you know the answer it's just, are you brave enough to one, ask the question and two, brave enough to hear the answer? Yeah. Because for a lot of people, it's easier to do with the same versus, oh my gosh, I actually hate this career. I've built, I hate this business. I want to change everything, but I don't know how to do that. So I'm just going to stick doing what I'm doing. Yeah. There it is right there. You just nailed it. And I think I'll never forget the day that I realized why I was working. Yeah. I was avoiding. Yes. You know, but you got to be willing to to go there. You got to be willing to yes. go there. I love what you said about it, it, working hard and everybody could do it. It made me, I was sitting here thinking we had this great, com- Dania and I both love dogs and, and, and we were, had this great conversation about dogs before we started recording. And as you were talking about that, it reminded me of this current dog. It's super easy to take her outside, run her physically, run her around, not a problem. But she's the kind of dog that has to have equal mental work. Okay, that's harder. That's that's harder, right? But but I have to do both. I can't just take her outside and walk and then be mad because she's not behaving right. Yeah, that's actually a side note. That's so fascinating because I because my dog's getting older, as you know, as real turns out. So I'm like, how do I get her tired if I can't physically exercise her? Like yeah. I can teach her swimming. Mental exercise for dogs is more exhausting than physical. Like yep. having to figure out a puzzle or like yep. uncover treats in a towel. I'm like, yes, but exactly. They need both. They can't just they have both. like one. And as humans, we have different needs and desires. And you need, it's not just meant to do like one thing in your life. Like you have, you're multifaceted human. So are you, are you taking all those other boxes too? Not just putting all your eggs in one basket of working hard in your business. Like what about the rest of your life? So, right, right, right. So I know I'm going to have to wrap this up pretty soon, but I want to ask you this because you said something when we first started about spotting, you can spot that, you can spot what's going on in entrepreneurs where the beliefs, what's what's hitching them up. And it made me think about how I listen to voices and how I can hear a voice and I can go, oh, you're a people pleaser or whatever it is, right? Is that kind of what you do, you get in a conversation with people and you're like, oh, okay, all right, I got this one's number. And yeah. you know, yeah. you know automatically what the block is or the blocks. Yeah, pretty quick. And it's actually funny because I asked just some close friends around me. I'm like, I don't know what the question was, but it's something to do with like, what? Oh yeah. So someone asked me um, what my superpower was and what my gift was. I don't know. And everyone I responded to, for me, I just said coaching. But everyone I respond to is like, you know how to find the blade and like you go there and get it really freaking quick. 
And huh. so it's interesting because clients with me is just being ready to, to go deep and go in there. My job is to help you live your best life, right? And it's not comfortable to be called out on like, oh, what's going on here? Obviously do it in a loving way, but yeah, like I think one of my gifts is being able to recognize through just conversations and having a couple of quick questions where this person's at. And then my mind immediately goes to, okay, how do I help uncover that? Because the thing is with this stuff, you can't just tell someone, oh, you're a people pleaser. One, they probably already know that, but two, they need to see it for their own self. So I can uncover, but now my job is how do I get my client to see that? Not me just tell them that. Because once the client comes to the conclusion, then it's right. just perspective. So right. for me, it's like, yes, we get in there, we have conversations, we uncover it. Now I got to see how you need to see that and understand it first. And then that's where the work begins. This is the awareness is there. Oh my goodness, the blind spot's been uncovered. Now what do we do? And that's that bridge in the gap of processing, implementing, reprogramming to help you now shift what you just, you just became aware of. Not me just saying, oh yeah, you're just doing this. So, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what I guess is to really... But it's the same thing. It's you, you yeah. spot it, you find it, and then you fix it, just like what we do over here. Yeah. 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 So fast. I just oh, that. fast. I don't know. I feel like this was just a, like a session for me today. Awesome. <laughs> it's so good. Me too, though. It's always fun to talk because there's things that you taught me. I'm just, oh, yeah. So it's fun because I'm like, I wonder if Tracy's analyzing me right now. Like, am I speeding up? So when I first worked with you, remember, I was just like, speaking so fast and trying to get oh, that's off. right i forgot and about that and it the tension on me it went back to like oh my gosh the tension on me and shining and it's like yeah oh, yeah oh, yeah. Oh. yeah so it's so fascinating to to still hear you or or think back to the lessons and coaching you did on me it's like it's so fascinating to recognize as humans we all have blind spots we all have things that we're not aware of that you can't possibly become aware of on your own and I think one of the biggest mistakes I see entrepreneurs in space making is they tell me things like, oh, I already have a therapist or I'm already doing personal work. Oh, don't even get me started on that. Yes. <laughs> don't. No, I don't do, or I get, oh, I don't do that when I'm real, really in line. Yeah, you do. If I hear it, you do it. You always do go after old patterns. But like, yeah. for me, I'm like, I would expect you to have a therapist. I would expect you to actually have multiple coaches, but you don't have a coach like me in your space. And you have yeah. blind spots that no one's going to go point out to you that only I can point out to you. Like only because this is where I specialize in just like a business coach, Tracy, a voice, like it's just yeah. coaching. you're so much more than that, but it is that it's recognizing we can only do so much on our own. And, or the metaphor you can use is this. We all walk around with broccoli in our teeth. The only way you see broccoli is what looking in a mirror or someone pointing out to you. Everyone has blind spots, no matter who you are. And so it's a matter of who do you have in your space in your corner who's helping you uncover your blind spots that is that's not to be in a ha look at you, but a way of like, right. hey, it's holding you back, man. Like this pattern is thought, this way of being your self-sabotage, this is not gonna help you get that TED talk or grow your business. So you want help working through that and coaching you through that? Great. But for us to think that we can just do all this stuff on our own, James Webmar coached me out of my stuff and never would have been able to see. And I didn't even I wasn't even aware of it. Cause here's the thing. How do you Google when you don't know how to Google? Right, exactly. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's what makes it a secret weapon. Yeah. I can hear it. You can't. You can see it. They can't. Exactly. Yeah, you're never going to get me to not be a huge proponent of, of coaches, the right coaches. Yeah. Ever. But no, yeah. I, I, and I'm sure you see this too. You feel this too. I People say that to me all the time. They say, are you listening to me? Are you analyzing me? And I'm like, no, I can't do both at the same time. I can't be engaged in the conversation and listen, but it's, you know, it, it is, it does make for a great party game. I imagine. Yeah. Right. So, like, you can't just <laughs> have brain off though. Like for me, it's like certain things I'm like, oh, and it's hard oh, I to know. not be, not that I'm trying, I never coach anyone who's on in a container. Right, like, right, right. And that's, you got to be ready for it, but you just can't shut that off. Like human can't shut it off. It's like when I was in sport, I still can't shut the primary brain off. I can't help but analyze people's bodies and gates. Like I can tell you, oh, yeah. for sure, it's yeah. here, it's tight there. I can't shut that off because it's spent so much yeah. time sitting on it. Same thing now with mindset, voice, even how people carry themselves, yeah. what they're saying, the words that they say. It's like that shows me so much of who you are. Oh, but unless yeah. you're in a coaching container, I'm not opening that kind of words because it's not. Well, yeah. People just want, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, and out in the world, it's hard yeah. for me to navigate the world. Oh. Yes. It's really hard for me to navigate the world mm-hmm. because Especially, it's just. 
I don't know for you, but for me, I'm just like, ah, if you could just see this or oh, just I know. You know, help you and coach you, you get over this. You don't have to accept that. I know. You can change. You're like, nope, you're on your own journey. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Otherwise. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, Daniel, this has been absolutely phenomenal. You have just jam-packed this thing with so many golden nuggets. I, I have to go back and listen to this. You're speaking the 30th or the 31st? 31st. So mm-hmm. definitely you want to get signed up for the Selling Through Boys show. You're going to hear more from yeah. Dania. And where do, you, where do you like to send people if they want to work with you, if they want to find out more about you? Where, where do we send them? We'll put the links in the show notes, but where do we send them? Yeah, you can. So my name's Dania. It's so funny. I have to always say it's Dan, It's like Tanya with a D. So D-N-Y-A. Um, but it's just my name, Daniel Douglas Hunt on Instagram or danieldouglashunt.com. You can find out more. You can see a lot of my coaching style videos. I always drop content every day to help people yeah. and overcome stuff. So Instagram is where I mainly hang out. Actually, I'm on TikTok now, Casey. I'm on TikTok. Yeah. Well, you know, I am too. I'm going to have to follow yeah. you over there. Okay. I know it's crazy. I, that was a never, I'm never going over there. I know, hey, tick, that, that's a great place to be. There's, it's, I learned so much over there. Yeah, like, I do. I love it. I love it. It's, I, I spend more time over there, but yeah, in terms of DMs, I'm definitely on Instagram more for that, but yeah, my name anywhere. Danielrent.com, okay. TikTok, Instagram. Yep. I answer my DMs too. So yeah. This has been so much fun. Thanks for having me on. Oh my gosh, this has been great. Thank you for your time. And I'm going to put all those links in the show notes. Come see Dania in the event. All right, that's it for today. Real quick, last reminder for this episode, go over to sellingthroughvoiceshow.com. The link is in the show notes, along with all of Dania's links. And make sure you register for the event, August 30th and 31st, 12 noon. Eastern time to 4 p.m., packed full of golden nuggets and amazing speakers. I hope to see you there, but that's it. I'm going to wrap it up and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for listening to Captivate the Room with Tracy Goodwin. You can reach out to her at captivatetheroom.com and be sure to grab the voice formula, a free video series that will help you start making a bigger impact with your voice today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes.